okay? Uh, we have a we have a tagline or whatever a catchphrase with the, but then I don't know how to make it different every week. The um, the um, is is our tagline um, clap on technology activated? Is that it? Yes, but haven't you already activated it? Um, we haven't clapped yet though, so it's not okay, activated okay. yet. Yeah, yeah. And I think just a normal voice doesn't activate it. As well. No. Do, you, do would you like to be the? Uh, it has the to be robot? a funny voice. Okay. You want to be the robot today? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. One, two, three. Clap on technology engaged. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> We're going to star in the Galaxy Quest sequel, if we're not careful. Have you seen that one? Such a great movie. I think Remember the I little... Did. And they walk around and act real weird. Was that the, game, the movie years ago with Tim Allen? Yes, yes. It's like a Star Tony Trek Weaver. parody. Yeah. And really sweet. It's so great. I remember loving that movie. I don't remember much about it. And Alan Rickman. I remember Alan Rickman was yes, kind of Yes, Alan the, Rickman's uh, in it. Yes, Alan Rickman yeah, and like Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, like the Klingon kind of characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, such a, I, it's just, yeah. It's a cool. top but 10 But was there a, 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 a robot kind of character that, uh, that, that announced anytime anything was activated with clap, clap on technology? No, a, no. So this, a, no, this no. is a Kevin story, which it's not really related except for within a synaptic module in my brain. So, but, but I think cause the aliens did sort of made funny voices and kind of, they were ridiculous. It, it triggers this, you know, memory for me of, of doing a funny voice as if that is high tech. That makes sense. You know, that that's, that's kind of a, it's kind of, I think, yeah, I don't know. I could see how those synapses would be connected in a person's brain. Yes. Yes. Especially if you stayed up late. Yeah, yeah, you had a late night last night. I did. Thanks for for getting up early for this. How how are you well, doing? Anyway. I, yeah, I'm really glad to see you. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it was a wild night. It was uh, Ve- I was in Vegas, and then uh, stopped by the pyramids of Egypt, and wow, um, yeah, visited Welcome the back. Martian colony and came back. Yes, just a little cup of coffee. All the way back to North Carolina, and a cup of coffee, and you're you're good to go. Yeah, but boy, are my arms tired. All <laughs> <laughs> that flag. <laughs> no, I got to play test a game, which we said we wouldn't talk about, but I guess I secretly wanted to talk about. I'm glad we are talking about it. Yeah, this was was this your first time play testing a game? It is my first time play testing a game. So how did it go? This was an online play testing, right? This is an online play testing. That okay. Garfield Games, a publisher out of New Zealand, which, I mean, where is Old Zealand? So that's the first question. Where is Old Zealand? Where is Old Zealand? But it's gotta uh, be I the like the somewhere. It must be. Must be. I'm um, sorry, keep going. Lo- yeah, no, the, the, so they have a public Discord server, which is really neat, which is basically AOL Instant Messenger uh, 3.0 discord mm. and through that they they actually want play testers because they want to observe people playing the game so there's a platform called tabletop simulator that is popular among board gamers i think it started as a 
just for playing cards and board games. Like it's it's a basic thing that then you can script and put whatever on top of it, so it works for board games. Okay. So there's like okay. a Gloomhaven mod, and there's a or skin or whatever you want to call it. Um, there's all sorts of games. Some are free, and some it might be five bucks. Okay. So it looks like a lot of game designers are using Tabletop Simulator to create a, a mock-up prototype of a game. So it was one of the designers and another person and myself and the designer wanted to watch us play the game wow. just to see, I guess, what mistakes or things we didn't understand or if something's overpowered. So it was right, kind of neat. Right. I mean, it was, it was, but it was also maybe not quite as exciting as you think because you're just playing a game. Because I kind of thought, right. oh, I should like try to break the game or I should be <laughs> sort of, I don't know what this means. Like play a character. <laughs> I wanted to role play it. And he just right, right, right. It. Like I wanted to play as Goofy. <laughs> what, how do I roll a card? And like sort of do ridiculous things. So you were interacting with the designer, was this like a, a, a video feed? I mean, could, could you it, all talk it was through discord? No, it was just audio, but it was through discord, okay. but okay. it was New Zealand time, which I think they're, it's like they're 8 million hours behind or something. I don't know. I it's, or maybe or, it's ahead. Or ahead or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, that's about as Do far. Do they use grams or pounds? I'm pretty sure they use grams. We're, okay. we're the only ones who don't use grams, aren't we? In the U.S. It's like. Somewhat. But we do have two well, liters. But England uses true. miles, not kilometers. And That's they use true. pints. Yeah, the UK. Yeah, I guess beer. they do. So I think the UK is more like us than they want to admit. But okay. anywho, yeah. But it was a few hours ahead of time in, in the metric system. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it's 1.4 <laughs> seconds in a second. If that's it's right. metric. So that's it's right. almost, it's, it's like yards and meters. It's like almost the same. Right. I understand. Yeah. Like in New Zealand, there's 60 minutes in the hour, you know, versus <laughs> our uh, 74. <laughs> right. So Which if you're really going to swim at an Olympic sized pool, you have to know if it's 50 meters or 50 yards. And you have to know what time basis they're using. You have using. to convert it. That's right. You have that's to convert right. yeah. the time because you may think yeah. you have a great time and it's terrible because it actually No, was... yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, it may seem confusing, but I don't doubt the wisdom of our founders, you know, that they, if, <laughs> right. if they said there were 74 minutes in an hour, right. I'm, I'm going to stick with it. That's right. That's Excellent. great. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. Uh, so that was really cool. It was interesting. And it, I think it humanizes game design because they spend years trying to prototype powers and cards and trying to figure out you know is something overpowered or what strategies people use or where they get confused and um, yeah it's definitely what a, a great tool for that it is and you and before the internet they you, i guess you would have had to have like little pieces of paper or cardboard mock-up and then you'd have to mm -hmm, get the same mm -hmm. friends over to play it to see what happens or try to get your aunt you know uh, Jeanette or something to play. Yeah. yeah. And um, so you're trying to, you, you don't get the range of experience and you can't just change a card all of a sudden. Yeah. But they have to know programming. Right. Right. Or pay someone. I, want, I, I wonder if that would have 
that awareness of online gaming platforms as a tool for playtesting, I wonder if that was um, furthered or advanced over the last couple of years in ways that maybe, I don't know, wasn't before COVID. Probably. I don't know. Anyway. Probably. Well, I'm so excited for you. That's great. And I know that you really like RPL games a lot. And so yeah, that must have been a great I'm experience. Of, um, I'm, I'm sort of enjoying, I don't, you know, I, I more and more think about board games as art. And so yeah, if you yeah. get into a particular movie director or writer, and I think you can get into a certain game designer because you just enjoy yes. getting in their head a little and watching them tackle things and, and how they might be really interested in a certain thing and then keep tweaking it and revisiting it. So, yeah, I think that's part, part of what I'm enjoying with games now. That's great. I love that idea of art, uh, games as art. I, I I thought about that as well. In a way, it's 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 interactive art. You know, you mm -hmm. take these it is. beautiful things and then you can manipulate them and and see what happens with them. Yeah, that's and it, and it involves wonderful. hues and colors and design and um, yeah, yeah. And I think there have been some art installations that had get board games in them, sort of a modern oh, really? art take. Like, yeah, I think I've seen a few things about some crossover between art and cool. board games. Do you hope to do it again? The the playtesting? Yeah, I would do it again. I would do it again. It's, um, you know, it's fun this time because I didn't know this expansion. So I was definitely free to just play. I think the more I do it, the more pressure I would have to win just because of my own headspace. Mm -hmm. like I've, I've had previous experience with this. I have to show that I'm... right. I've master. played this game 30 times and I still score <laughs> negative five. Like at a certain <laughs> point, you're just kind of embarrassed. Right. But I wish I wasn't. But yeah, the first time you're feeling. just like, I'm going to go here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or at least what I, happens. I, that's how I approach <laughs> it. Like, yay. <laughs> oh my goodness. But uh, we, you know, there's a lot of games out there. There's something like 3,000 yeah. are published a year. Is that right? And wow. there are some disappointing games out there. There are some disappointing games out there. I, I and I see what you did there. Those are that's a good, that's a good segue. He may be tired, but he's still I he's like still it. here. He's still in the game. You are you are you can go on no sleep, and you still bat a, bat a, um, a thousand. Is that the metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> or. <laughs> You bet a hundred percent. They can't see. That's why they can't play baseball in uh, in Europe because they the math calculations to metric it just you know batting is it's like base I, base eleven math or something. I, I think batting a thousand in the metric system is batting yeah seven point four. I think is that right? <laughs> Another side, but Celsius is just the worst. It's like from sixteen to twenty is. 15 degrees of Fahrenheit. I mean, they have no, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like to 18 degrees or something or 16 is in the sixties and you go up a few Celsius points and all of a sudden it's 20 degrees more in Fahrenheit. That makes no sense. That's huge. It, it is huge. It is huge, but you're right. But on, on the other hand though, I mean, the whole idea of water freezes at zero and boils at a hundred. I mean, that's, that's so elegant. I love that. 
we will never so. continue to evolve as a species if we don't things make <laughs> things difficult for ourselves. So if if America is getting dumbed down, it's because we are doing too much Celsius. Because that's too easy. It's too easy. I have a I have a um a, a cousin who's German, and uh, we have visited each other. We're the same age, like throughout our lives. Like as as oh, wow. teenagers, we went back forth and visit each other's homes. So I remember one conversation. Like you were going to Germany, when, and he was, or he lived. Or he, they lived here now. Or, yeah, like like. Uh, I would go to Germany and be with his family and he would come to the U S and be with okay, our gotcha, family. Gotcha, yeah. And I remember once, one summer when he was with our family, he, uh, he said, he said, uh, his name was Oliver. He said, Daniel, he said, you know, so what is this again? He said in, in the, in the Fahrenheit system, he says water freezes at 32 and it boils at two twelve. He said, that just doesn't make sense. And I said, yeah, you're, it is kind of random, isn't it? That's kind of a random thing. <laughs> So oh, yeah. you should have pranked him and said, oh, no, no, it freezes at 29 and boils at 196. <laughs> and then he spent the rest of his life with tepid tea. Yeah, there, <laughs> there you go. But you're right. As you were saying, there are um, a lot of disappointing games. Hmm. Uh, yeah, some disappointing games out there is what you were saying. Is that is that right? Yes, some. Some. Yeah. Or at least games that might be good to some folks. But maybe disappoint to others. Um, Does something come to mind? Well, funny you should ask. Hmm. I, I'm 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 glad you asked. Um, I should say that um, I am mindful of video series they used to have on the Dice Tower, and I, they might still have it, as far as I know, called "Every Game Is Awesome." And I kind of, you know, and I, and I love that philosophy. So I guess, you know, I want to say um, I, I recognize that, you know, if, if somebody likes a game, that makes it an awesome game for them, you know, and so that's great. And so not putting down anybody else's game. Um, but there have been some experiences that especially Kristen and I, my wife Kristen and I have had over the years where we've played games that we know other people really like. But they just haven't clicked for us. So they might be awesome for others, but they haven't clicked for us. And so there are two that come to mind, especially. And these are, I think, really well-loved games and beloved games. And they are, I think they're real, rather highly rated on Board Game Geek. But they just didn't work for us. Oh, no. I um, hope you don't say something I like. I don't know what you're going to say. We do okay, outline fine. these episodes, but we didn't outline this. But Right. And we, we don't say what we don't. I don't think we tell each other what games we're actually going to talk about. Well, not all the time. No. The two games time. that come to mind because they're kind of connected in my mind are Kahuna and okay. Targi. Interesting. And 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 they're both two-player games, and they're both beloved, highly ranked, especially Targi. Targi is... I, is I've uh, looked at it, and I know it is highly ranked. It's a very unassuming box. Like, it, yeah, it doesn't look yeah. like it, but I've never played either. Well, and Kahuna is also, I think, a similar size box. They're both great games. We love these games, but um, they are games that just didn't work for Kristen and me because uh, they're as two player. You're really pitted against each other in um, in a very kind of confrontational way, and um, they are high in. What and you do Kristen have to live with this come, person. <laughs> that's right. And what Kristen and I have come to call the in your face factor. <laughs> You know, because, 
we we talked about adding our own ranking on Board Game Geek. Just said, what's the in-your-face right, r- right. ranking of a game? And um, because you know, both of them, you can take moves that that really severely mess with the other person, and um, and Kahuna especially. Um, the idea is there is a, a series of islands and you're trying to build bridges between islands. And if you have the most bridges going to an island, it's like an area majority. You get to claim that island. But mm. not only do you get to claim that island, but you get to remove all of your opponent's bridges that lead to that island, which then have this cascading effect <laughs> so that they lose majority on other islands as well. And there are not many games, Kevin, that we have refused to finish playing. Oh, my goodness. But that was one of them. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Because and it's a good game, but we just got so mad at each other. It was just, it was, it was just so not mad, but it was just, um, you know, it's, every it's sort of like it's like Monopoly if there were uh, private real estate investors that could just take your stuff. That's <laughs> right. Just That's got, right. That's or right. people with yeah. bombs that just blow up your hotels. Oh my goodness! Exactly right. Like every move you took that benefited you severely hurt the other person, and uh, I guess we're just more, I guess down in our hearts, more Euro players were just, you know, you take a move that benefits you. Right. And then you and wave that, at the other person. Hi. That's right. That's right. I it's about a six garden. degrees. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I have cantaloupes. Like, what oh, are you growing? That's a nice garden. Exactly. Look at my garden. Would you oh, like, like to trade a seed for a fertilizer? Right. No. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, you know, six moves from now, what I did this turn might, uh, you know, have a 5% impact on my on my opponent or something like that. Anyway, so those are a couple that come to mind for us that are great games. Every game is awesome if you like it, but just for us, they didn't. You don't think some games are just categorically bad? You're not into platonic sort of ideals? Like there is a real reality out there that... And because there are some games that are just ripoffs of other games that that have been made. And and you can't imagine that there would be some people purely wanting to profit from. Yeah, I know. You're right. You're right. You're I don't right. know. I, I, well, I the, can think of a game, actually, that I think is universally just bad. <laughs> what what game is that? <laughs> duck, duck, go. I mean, you just, you don't, this is how children get lice. You don't touch people's heads. Their souls get out. <laughs> any, any game that involves touching another person's head. Exactly. It is an automatic no. I'll eat. I'll eat after you. I'll even use your fork, but I'm not going to touch your head. That's just weird. Uh, no, the game I'm thinking of is one that I played a long time ago, and it is a game called Bibleopoly. Bibleopoly. And I'm looking it up on Board Game Geek. I don't know if we need to define these things. Boardgamegeek.com's a, a very. It is the website for board gamers. And uh, and actually, I was thinking earlier, right. Euro, Euro gaming. Do we need to define these things, or do you think our audience? Oh, you know, that's probably not a bad idea. Yeah, because I I I know there are it's, some. It's, wonderful our theme folks. is didactic didacticism, so we should probably. <laughs> True, um, I can. You want me to take Euro games, and you take board game geek, or I'll, I'll take Euro games. Um, so Euro games, for those of us who may not be familiar with it, is a style of game um, that. Um, especially you know originated in in Europe especially around Germany um i think it um came to prominence um in the 80s and 90s though i think their roots go back a generation or two before that that might that's a whole other episode maybe um euro games are 
and but they're certainly not made in Europe exclusively anymore. They are right. they are being made all around the world. They are games where there's not a lot of player interaction. Um, and meaning I don't um, attack you directly or right, don't do anything. Right. We're kind of parallel playing like exactly. Toddlers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, what you do does not severely impact the other person. Sometimes there can be positive player interaction too, but, but for the most part, you have a puzzle that you're trying to figure out. And a very common theme, uh, in Euro games is that there are limited resources and you're trying to each player is trying to figure out how they can do their best given a system of limited resources. And that, that's kind of, I think, what is often, uh, what a Euro game often means. And for, for, for me, I think it, it almost kind of parallels kind of, you know, real life um, uh, systems of trying to figure out, you know, given limited resources, given limited, I don't, you know, fuel or whatever, how can we maximize the system? Yes. Um, and that's, that's, it's what, all about priorities. It's about yeah making very effective moves. It, it, lots of Euro games. If you mess up one or two moves that you can, you, you will impact your game by lots of points. So every, right. every right. move is critical because you're always wanting to have a, the cheapest move you can with the bet with you want to leverage every move so that it's inexpensive cost but high yield or you're building to that and that's what it's really about is is yeah efficiency yeah yeah, versus versus having luck because the opposite is what is known as ameritrash or, or type games which is sort of rolling dice and just battling each other directly Right, right. Which yeah. is more exciting, but it's more luck-based, and it is definitely more adversarial. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's, makes yeah, sense. yeah, I well, think and, that's fair. And and these are fluid categories. These are fluid right. categories, and there's crossover, and, you know, there's all, lots of variations where games try to combine them. Right, right. And so and a Euro game will usually win by victory points versus Ameritrash might be when, when, player, when the players are eliminated type scenario. Such yep, as Monopoly. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, the last person standing. Last person standing. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's so, pros and cons to both, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So what is Board Game Geek? Board Game Geek is just the main website that everybody is on, and it, it's, it's really interesting because it's a for-profit company, right, I think. But I don't know. But they're very um, – they seem very kind, yeah, right? they really do. Like yeah. they've got some ads, but they and they've tried to sell some games, but they are not rapacious like uh, some companies and no. websites. And um, it's sort of the site to go. Sometimes known as BGG, uh, mm-hmm. Board Game Geek. It's an, an an acronym, and that may have inspired BGF. Could be. Could be. Board yeah. game faith, yes, yes. BG, BG, BGG, and, and BGF. BGF. Which could also stand for best good friends. It could. Could but stand it for be- beta gaming fish. <laughs> beta. <laughs> beta fish gaming. I would watch, I would watch that Twitch Arr. channel. I, I, I would watch the, the beta gaming fish. <laughs> Especially when they play Euros. That Especially be, when they play Euros. They would be great. It would <laughs> be at, just so look, weird. Look at that beta maximizing the coal production. That's fantastic. And once he does, he's going to eat me. 
Because don't they eat each other? You can only have one betta fish. I think you're right. I think yeah, you're right. There can be only one. Which is the you Highlander, should... which is set in Scotland. Mm. So it's not a Ameritrash. No, no, true. Because it's not in America. That could have been an but American we, we script. Were... Yeah. So on Board Game Geek, however, there was a there was a very low there was a somewhat low ranking of this game that you found us oh right bibleopoly yes so i played this as a kid and it was called bibleopoly and it is ranked ready for it ready i'm way i'm 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 excited about this uh, is this metric this is metric um okay, so okay. if you need to grasp a calculator to work it into your 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 native mathematical format please feel free okay. to do so but anyway most uh games are ranked on a scale of what one to ten, well, I guess they all are ranked on Board Game Geek, and a pre- and this is sort of an amassed people voting and giving scores, and a good game is what in the sevens, and then eight is yeah. stupendous, and if it's getting close to nine, it's just a a miracle Greatest of design. Yeah, yeah. Bibleopoly's down at three point six, and its overall Ooh. ranking is twenty two thousand, and it 22, is described 000. as Monopoly with a Bible theme. So they basically took Monopoly and sort of reskinned it as Bibleopoly, and you were going around to build a church. But here's the worst bit. This is what I recall. Whoever builds the first church, everyone goes to the middle and has like a Sunday school party. <laughs> so it's the problem is, so they, they gave the property names Bible names. So it's supposed to teach kids sort of Bible things like Caesarea and Paul and things like there's that. But because it's trying to be nice and churchy and, and Christian-y, uh, no one's really supposed to win the game because everybody wins. Mm, okay, okay. And as a kid, I recalled, like, this sucks because you don't play a game <laughs> to for everyone to win. You play a game, I don't know, to have a good experience, to take some risks, to have a winner to some degree. Yeah. And, yeah. of course, you want to be that winner, but you don't want to always lose and this is but sort of our topic for today. What's that? Yeah, it's unsatisfying. unsatisfying. Yeah, so yeah. it seems to me a lot of things need to stay in their lanes. Like you don't want a movie that has a super strong moral preachy message because it's a movie. If you want a good, strong, preachy message, you go to church or the mosque, right? Or the or the synagogue, right? So you, you don't go into something and get switched into – you don't want to switch a room. So if you're playing a game, you want to play a game. If you're watching, if you're seeing a fictional, if you're reading a fictional story, you want it to be fiction, and you don't want to be surprised. There's a moral lesson to the whole thing. So unless it's Aesop's it really... fables or something, I don't know. I mean, there are right, right, but but where you go into it with the awareness that the whole point of this is going to be teaching me something. It's it's not a it's not a and, yeah a that might be okay. Kind of and then you're not expecting yeah, a yeah. game. Yeah, you're going in knowing yeah. okay, this is going to teach me something, and we'll go through it. But as a kid, we just felt a bit ripped off. And I guess we played it at church that like oh we're going to play a board game, and then it was just kind of silly, and we never played again. <laughs> so. As this idea with this idea of didactic games or games that teach things, I mean, do you think? Um, so, if I hear you correct, what you're saying is you you feel like you don't you don't mind if a game might teach something, but if it's if that's really the main point, you like it to be 
honest about it going into it sort of or or just right. is that what you're saying or yeah or, i think so yeah. I, 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 my expectations are going to shape it hugely and and uh if i feel snookered or tricked i'm going to feel yeah um if, if it needs to teach something it should be indirect which is like a good novel right you can draw lessons from it but it can't feel as if the whole thing was simply the author trying to communicate a moral lesson Right, right. Which is what I think we get from, you know, what we see, um, you know, for those of us in the Christian tradition, you know, in the parables of Jesus too, right? I mean, you hear again and again the parables of Jesus that, that, you know, the parables aren't about, here is clearly what I'm trying to tell you. But, you know, it's like, not a million, but, you know, but there, one person can take this interpretation from it and one person Mm -hmm. can take this and it can offer so many Which is the basis of your job security as a pastor, right? (laughs) (laughs) You mean there's lots of ambiguity of meaning is my <laughs> is my job security. That's betrayed. <laughs> I think you're right. Because <laughs> if it just said it directly, you would just get up there and read it and sit down. Right, right, right true, true. But it's never yeah. going to do that um, because yeah, yeah. because I probably the late nature of language and history and time, but also, yeah, the Bible is intentionally mystifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, it's one of the things I love about the tradition of the gospels and the parables and um, that they are um, so open-ended in ways like that, you know, that they're not, they're um, provocative. They are provocative. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you too. And things just don't line up and it's, 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 um, it's wonderfully organic, I think. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's that's you're absolutely right that the stories function on different levels, and and you could think of C.S. Lewis's Narnia like that as well. That it it can function on a certain level, and he does have some allegories behind it. But you don't have to read it that way, and it functions on a story level on its own. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that I think that's I guess there is a point where you can. If it's a seesaw, if you, you can kind of find something of a balance that's still considered effective. So yeah, so applying that to games with that, yeah. So you're you're saying that, um, you know, games can certainly be be teaching, but if that's kind of their primary point, at a certain point, it's not going to be a game a anymore. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So Bibleopoly is really yeah. just a teaching illustration. It's yeah. not a game because yeah. it's broken. The, what a game yeah. is too much. Right, right. But you, it reminds you, me... Yeah, go, go, ahead. Ahead, go ahead. No, I want to hear well, your I reminder. Just, it, it reminds me of a quote I heard, I'm not going to get it right, but uh, from Reiner Knizia, who is a, a famous uh, German designer of Euro, uh, mm-hmm. Euro games, uh, as you know, Kevin. And uh, he said, and actually I think this might be a topic of a future Board Game Faith episode, you know, about winning, is winning the point. But he said something like... Um, something like the point the point of a game is for everyone to try to win but winning is not the point or something like that wait say you know, it again? And, and I, it's something like the point of a game i'm not exa- getting this exactly right but it's something like the point of a game is for everyone to try to win but winning is not the point yes it's about and the I, experience I love that. yes yeah yes, yeah yes. yeah but it, but that experience doesn't work if we're not all trying to win right but at the end of the day winning's not the point 
Yes. It's, it's like a means to an end. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but yes, you were, you were, I think you were asking me about maybe some, uh, some indirect teaching games. Is that what you were? I, I, I know you were, you had some thoughts about categories. So I want to hear yeah, you have yeah. four categories or is it five? Metro, are we, and, and let's identify, let's make sure we identify your, your numerical system. Exactly. Yeah. No, for the, re- for, for most of the world, I've got four categories <laughs> in the U S measurement system. I have 7.32 categories. Um, so because at eight yeah, it boils or something. That's right. That's right. And by the way, and as I also want to pause before I start talking, just to give a shout out to, um, one of our, um, uh, friends on Instagram, uh, I we, we put out on our Instagram post that we were doing this episode on teaching games, didactic games, and I asked um, our, uh, our our friends out there, board game faith family, what they were interested in in terms of games that that were excellent at teaching on some level, and um, yeah, there was a really interesting comment from um, the family meeple on Instagram. Um, you can find the family meeple at family underscore meeple on Instagram. And um, and they said that that genotype was a fantastic game mm. that also teaches along the way. Uh, I was just looking it up on Board Game Geek, and um, yeah, it's it's um, ranked about fifteen hundred seven point seven. Looks like it's a really great game. Looks like it's a game about teaching. Um, remember Gregor Mendel uh, and the peas? Yeah, yeah, and the yeah, and uh, those 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 it's grids, the first those sort of example of, of of genetic manipulation, right? Yeah, by yeah. humans. So it looks like it's a really fun game that also explores that system of learning about um, the genes that 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 go into making peas what they are and making us what we are. And so that's uh, so. Thanks so much to the family Meeple for that recommendation. I'd, I'd I'd love to learn more about that game. It looks really good. I think I have. I so, saw it discussed yeah. a few. I can't, came out a couple of years ago, maybe. And yeah, I did see some positive comments. On YouTube, yeah, yeah. that it's, so, it's sort of a, a nice sciencey game that's fun. Yeah. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you. Family, and we want to hear yeah, from others. Yeah, just we we want to um, we want to know what you're thinking. Yeah, absolutely. We, we love. Otherwise, it's hearing, just us, and we're in trouble. Yeah. And Kevin, you're awesome. But it's also good to hear from others as well. Uh, nothing against you. No, no. I no. you're uh, you're much better at this than I am. Uh, I, I, you're too kind. I'm just, I'm just living in a Kevin world. But thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm, okay. I'm actually mayor of Daniel City, and every day we honor Daniel. <laughs> There's, we have two statues. Wow, wow. I, it's well, you're yeah. kind. Better to be a custodian and, and the, a doorkeeper in the. In the uh, <laughs> The house of Kevin. Right. And, uh, anyway, anyway thank, thank you. All right. You're, you're kind. All right. Um, so I am thinking about this episode and t- games that teach. And you're right, Kevin. I agree. I, it, we're thinking about games that teach indirectly. Maybe, you know, that teaching isn't necessarily the, the primary point. The primary point is to make a good game. But yeah, how can they teach yeah. indirectly? And it occurred to me that in, in my thinking, there were like four main categories, at least, and there are probably others as well, and I'd love to hear what our listeners think, but f- four categories, at least, that games teach indirectly. And the first is, I think they, there are some games that teach information indirectly. They teach information. They share information. 
what I'm thinking here is like Wingspan, right? Yes. Wingspan is this great game about birds and keeping birds. And, um, and you know, on every card, there's a separate bird, a unique bird, and information about the bird, right? Like what, literally what its wingspan is, but also, you know, what part of the world it lives in and what kind of nests it makes. Yeah. What it um, eats. And, and what it eats, Because there are yeah. some predator birds that can get on top of other birds, right? I think, in right, the game. Right, Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. The cards will and flocking birds, I think. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. So, you know, I mean, so that teaches about birds indirectly. Um, another I, I example. would say it's actually more, it, it's indirect, sure, but it's also direct because some of the behaviors are modeling what birds do. Yes, yes. So it, it's, so, of... it's so clever, that game. Yeah, how it, it's, its mechanisms replicate um, actual behavior. Such as, yeah, the flocking yeah. birds want to be together or they have to be in certain habitats or they yeah. steal someone else's eggs. Yep, yep. Uh, I I also have experienced that recently in Ark Nova, which is a, a very popular game right now about I hate you building so much. A, a zoo. <laughs> Thanks goes to Kristen. Kristen somehow got a Ark Nova from our our local um, friendly local game store. Uh, but it also simulates um, the behaviors of different animals. There's also like herding animals that you put cards together, and you know, and it teaches about animals that I've never heard of, like the the Ecuadorian squirrel monkey. I didn't mm-hmm. know there was an Ecuadorian squirrel monkey. Oh yeah, we have Arcanova. one. I have one. <laughs> Is that what's been running back behind you <laughs> in the room there, in the screen? Okay. Um, and the last one I mentioned, I, I'd like to think of information. Uh, Glenmore Two is one of my favorite games. Um, Glenmore Two. Yeah, that's actually also one of the favorite games of the family Meeple. Um, they said on our Instagram account, and. Um, and it is, it's sometimes been described as like Scottish history in a box. It's just a lot of, I mean, it's an awesome game, but it teaches indirectly a lot of good Scottish history. For example, one of the characters, one of the character cards, tiles in there is uh, Princess uh, Kaluahani. And I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I'm sorry if I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, who apparently was the last heir uh, to the throne in Hawaii. And, uh, but she was also of Scottish descent. Her father was Scottish. And, you know, I, I would have really? never heard of, got to know her story without Glenmore 2. Yeah. So so that's kind of the first category. I think, you know, games are, can be really good at teaching information. Next, I, I you know, I think in a, in a way, all games, all games in a way teach skills, right? Because uh, so you know, they, they teach at the very least, they teach skills that you need to win this game, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so so that's another category that games teach indirectly is they teach skills or or you could even say life skills. And of course, you know, this is through simulation. These aren't directly uh, the direct skills, but simulations of the skills. You know, I think of Brass Birmingham, for example, which is another great game that, that I love. Um, I do not have an economic mind at all. Um, but I feel like I've learned a little bit about, you know, how to function as a, in a, in a economic world through Brass Birmingham with taking loans and buying properties and It makes and you such. appreciate what is required, even right, though it's a right. simulation and it's, right, it's not real money and there's other stuff and things have changed. But yeah, you do, you, you, it's so easy to see the final form of something like a book or a product on the grocery store shelf and not realize what went behind 
right? Yeah. Like somebody had yeah. to develop it and they had to find the jars and something had to put it in there and somehow the sticker got on there and it got sealed and then it got put in a box and it got shipped and someone then checks to make sure it's been restocked. Yeah, there's there's all these yeah, steps yeah. that when you just, I guess human nature, we just think of the final form. We don't think about what went behind it. Appreciation is a great word for that. You're yeah. right, you're right. Maybe that's even the better word for this category. Is it, it, it teaches appreciation for for skills and processes. I at times have pointed to the kids or others or the cat or whoever want, or the or the frozen monkey. <laughs> that again, like Garfield Games, these are real people, and like this is really a person, or even just a book off your shelf. Like Stephen King's a real dude, and he owns a pair of jeans. And you know how he writes? He writes books one word at a time. I mean, it, it's kind of magical, but in some ways it's not. It's just get your butt in a seat and start typing. And you do it for, you know, six months, and then you try to get it published. And designing a board game, these are real people, and um, they had to figure out how to fit this in a box, and they had to decide on the colors and the art. And, um, yeah, like there are decisions behind this. It, it's, it's not just a... Uh, waving a wand and getting your what is it the get your guardian angel Cinderella what happens in Cinderella and then there's a someone oh, turns into godmother. a pumpkin fairy godmother yeah and you turn into a pumpkin that weighs three point uh... four kilo <laughs> kiloliters <laughs> I think I think it's kiloliters kiloliters I think you're right <laughs> weight right. in England they have a thing called stone and it's twelve pounds. That's so you might fantastic. weigh like 10 stone. That and then if you lose a little weight, you might be like still at 10 stone. <laughs> but then you lose a lot, lot of weight and you're at nine stone. So talking about gradations, it's good. like 12 pounds. Yeah, it's huge. Wow. wow. I want to. It's an old know. thing. Yeah, stone. I want to. That's. I want I want to know my weight in stone. But yeah, I, I love that. And that sense of appreciation that everything around us. I love that, Kevin, is. There's a person behind everything, uh, anything that's made or produced. Right. There are people behind that. And we, we do forget that. Yeah, I love that. Nice. Um, and I think appreciation is also, I get that sense from another, the other game, another game I think of in this category, Coffee Roaster. It's a, it's a solo only game. Um, I think it was originally produced by Sashi and Sashi, a Japanese game company. Solo only game, but it's this process, it simulates roasting coffee. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's this process about you got to take the beans out of the roaster at just the right time or else they get burned. Uh, but this kind of coffee, this particular um, style of coffee needs to be roasted a little bit longer. And, uh, you know, those are all just things that real people have to think about in making this uh, sweet, sweet cup of coffee that I like to drink in the mornings um, that I never really give much thought to otherwise. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and the game helps to build appreciation for that. And then the final one in that life skills appreciation category is, um, is Caverna because it helps me to appreciate those who dig out homes in mountains while also growing pumpkins. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I learned to do that. I learned to do that, which is what I want to do. I, know, I always in do badly at that game because I dig out the pumpkin and attempt to live in it and the flies <laughs> Um, that's be a great expansion right that would expansion. Be, yeah and then we put power in the pumpkin and then kids kept trying to get us to give them candy and we had to move out <laughs> actually i've never played Caverta, 
but yeah, that's uh, I love, I love, so pumpkins I love. and digging out for caves. You're 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 digging out your homes inside of a in, in in caves while outside the caves growing pumpkins and wheat. That's so weird. And uh, other things. Yeah, it's a fun, it's a great game, but, huh. but the the theme is interesting. Yeah. So that's the second category I think of indirect teaching is teaching you know skills, life skills, or appreciation of life skills. The last two are kind of more abstract and and maybe a little bit more Ooh. serious, but I think they're but I, I think I think games can do this. Um, this third one is a sense of emotional awareness or even self awareness, and there are two cate- two games that I thought of in this were, were games that teach self awareness or emotional awareness. Um, the first one is very obscure. The second one is very popular. The first one is a game that's honestly kind of hard to talk about. And um, I think I have maybe mentioned this before on, uh, on, this, on this podcast, but I didn't know the name. I had to remind myself of the name. It's a game called Train. And it's a game that has never been published. Um, it's uh, Brenda Romero is the designer of it. And she just produces, you know, her own copy and takes it around to different places and Hmm. conventions think of that to be played um and it's this game where um you draw these cards i've not played it i've just read about it where you draw these cards where you have to put people on a train and you're trying to kind of you know like a lot of euro games I, i'm assuming you know maximizing this doing this efficiently and then at some point during the game what you realize is that you are loading up people on a train and the train is taking them to a concentration camp oh um and and Brenda Romero, I mean, it's a, it's you know excruciatingly difficult theme, and obviously you know a game you'd only play once, you could only only want to play once. And she says that the point of this game is she's trying to explore the reality of complicity, the the emotion of complicity, and um, she's trying to find ways to help players become more aware of how we might be complicit in creating suffering or hurt in the world um, and, and not even aware of it because we say we're just doing our jobs, right? We're just following the rules. And, um, and, and I, I, as, I, as I read it, Brenda Romero has actually create, is working on a series of games that explore these different emotions. Um, and so, you know, Obviously, I've never played this. It is not in production. Um, but from what I've read of it online, it sounds like it's a very difficult and very powerful experience in some ways as well. I, I read about a Jewish rabbi who who played the game and um, and uh, you know and, and said that he felt that that Torah was in it. You know that it, that, that it had something very meaningful to teach, albeit very difficult to teach. So that's, you know, that's, I think that's, a, that's another category that can teach emotional aware games. Games have a way of helping us to, maybe the word might be empathize or um, to imagine the emotions of another person. And that brings me to the other, cate- the other game can in I, this category. Can I just pause there? Yes, yes, um, please do. I, lo- I really want to play Train, even though I know what's going to happen. And I don't yeah, know why, yeah. because according to my earlier category, this is more of a overly didactic game. But there's something mm-hmm. about, and it's tricking you as well. But and, and maybe that's just because all categories fail. But something about this seems 
authentic in a way that that yeah yeah that and i don't know if it's just the the, the subject matter maybe it's partly the subject matter it's awareness of a depth of humanity and history versus just saying well we're going to build a church like in bibleopoly like there's the maybe it's just that the theme is so deep and scary and interesting because yeah there were people in germany that just worked for the concentration camps i mean yeah. that could be you so there's something about it that yeah that is um it's breaking my categories well but you know i but i think in a way it it, it also kind of speaks to your categories earlier in that it, it again i haven't played it but my impression is it doesn't at the end of the day, it's not pretending to be something else either. You know what right. I mean? She's not trying to get this mass produced. She's not trying to do and you know, that even though you may not know it at first going into it, this is not pretending to be some sort of mass market super fun game for everybody. You know, this this it's very self aware of what it is and what it does. Um so yeah, yeah. I'm looking it up online and um <laughs> It, if you want to get information, it, she has a website, uh, Romero Discord. So they are also okay. on Discord. But yeah, how Thank do I you. get this? Where do you, I guess on eBay, huh? I think she, my understanding is she just has, she has all the copy. I mean, you know, they're just, she produces her copies and, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think I read somewhere online that she has watched every play of this game, you know, that, you know, she basically she's always present in every, in every play of this game. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, so related to that, but a game that is, I, I guess the opposite of, of obscure, probably the most popular game ever, <laughs> um, is Monopoly. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about Monopoly. Um, I, f- I learned about this from a book called um, the, uh, Parlet's History of Board Games by David Parlet. Um, uh, Monopoly, of course, you know, everyone knows Monopoly. Um, historians believe now the er- earliest form of Monopoly was probably invented by a woman named Lizzie Maggie. I hope I'm saying her name right. Lizzie Maggie was Quaker, hmm. um, born in... Um, uh, Illinois, actually the same hometown as uh, our, uh, Chelsea, who listens to Board Game Faith, and we'll be hearing from her later on. Hello, Chelsea. Uh, hey, Chelsea. Uh, you don't know me, moved... so that's not great. But <laughs> hang on, so they just believe, so they don't know? I guess she created a, or you're going to tell me. I, I'm going to tell you, but okay, yes. Okay, because yes, I'm right. like, how would you not know who made this? Yeah, well, this is interesting. I, I Yeah, it's a good question. She was Quaker, um, an outspoken um, advocate for women's rights. And um, she designed this game that she called the Landlord's Game in 1904 um, that was a precursor to Monopoly. And the point of the game Uh-oh. was to demonstrate um, the, the injustice of exorbitant rent, the injustice of landlords who, um, you know, cared only about um, lining their own pockets and not housing, you know, people and, and, and trying and try to meet their needs. And, and how even being that way could ultimately even uh, end up uh, causing you to go to jail, causing, causing you to go to jail. And, and so the, the whole idea of the game originally, as she conceived it, was to illustrate that this is a very bad experience, right? That it was to, to kind of make a person emotionally aware, self-aware of the ugliness 
of this kind of um, insatiable hunger for more and more profits from the land that we own and that we rent out to people. Um, well, and in fact, at one point, um, it is, it is um, and, and I had trouble finding documentation on this part, but at one point, it's believed she even made two sets of rules for the game. One, uh, very similar to the sets of rules we know now, that shows just how awful, what an awful experience this is. And then another rule where players are cooperative. And, and she was trying to show that the game is much more pleasant and life is much more pleasant when we help each other out. And, and, and we're not trying to squeeze every last penny out of somebody who's on our property. Weird. Well, so it's almost like a sequel or an alter, alternate. There's yes, like yes. the game so, and then there's an alternate game. Yes. Yeah, so we, we, today we talk about how bad Monopoly is, but Monopoly was designed to be bad. To, yes. to teach people that this was a really bad experience. Well, this became very popular. Oh. Uh, this, you know, and and so this this people were making their homemade copies. They went from from person to person, uh, place to place, state to state, and eventually, as m- most historians seem to understand this, um, one of these copies uh, was got into the hands of a man named. As I got understand, to the hands it, of anyway, him. yeah, exactly. A white yeah, dude got it. It inspired <laughs> this this uh, another person named Charles. De- a Darrow or Darrow. Yeah. Um, that's the who, name I've seen. Yeah. Who, who made a game and, and, uh, and, and that we know is Monopoly today and, um, you know, did very well with that. Lizzie Maggie got $500 off of, off of, of the course, original of course design she did. for it. Oh my gosh. Um, you can't... So isn't that interesting? So, you know, we talk about, um, uh, we talk about how Monopoly is a, is, is, is a, is a, is is a is a frustrating game, but it was designed to be frustrating. And by the way, so as I said, I I got this history from um, um, Parlet's history of board games, David Parlet. If if anyone feels out there or, or knows that I've gotten part of that history wrong, please let me know. I'm just kind of sharing as I as I understand it. But um, but you did so, get so it that, out of a published book and not the internet. Right, right. Oh, the internet's one part, useful, but. Yeah, yeah. The one part about the two sets of alternate rules, I did get off the internet. That was not in the book, but um, so that may be a little bit more up in the air. But it was just anyway. I just so that was designed as a game that again was trying to teach emotional awareness or empathy in some way. Um. So yeah, that's that's the my third category and 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 my that's last. That's so category, interesting. And sorry, just yeah, uh, let yeah. me interject. No, that jump in there. I uh, it reminds me of this weird issue that. Dante, the famous Italian poet, wrote, of course, uh, The Inferno about hell, but he also wrote uh, Purgatorio, Purgatory, and then The Paradise. But no one reads those. Right? They only read The Inferno. And Paradise Lost by John Milton, he wrote a sequel, Paradise Regained, but people don't read that one. They just read Paradise Lost. So we, it, it is interesting in the human nature that, that the the game that is more malevolent or the book that's more malevolent that's describing hell is the one that everybody wants to read or play. <laughs> not the one where everyone, not the Bibleopoly where it's like, yay, let's have sandwiches and talk about our favorite hymns. <laughs> right. Right. That is so interesting, isn't it? I wonder what that speaks to. I don't know. I don't know. I remember I read, learning that. long ago that all fiction is based on conflict and that really bothered me, but it's true. Mm, like you mm. can't have a story without conflict. Right. Once upon a time, everybody was happy and yes. they all lived happily ever after the end. The end. Yes. Yeah. Or uh, yeah. Thomas, the tank engine, Thomas, the train kids books, like the only bad Thomas, like 
forget somebody's name or something like, like, like that's a kid's book because nothing bad really happens and then he always just goes to sleep <laughs> that's, that, that which is why parents problems. skip a lot of the middle bits because they're desperate to get done right right but, but yeah anyway, yeah that's wild all right Interesting. well and the very last category i had was uh, and, and it might be there might be some may not even be considered really a game but I'm, you know, in this play conference that I went to a few weeks ago, I talked to uh, Dr. Stuart Brown, who has done a lot of research on play, and he brought up the, he and I were talking, talk about the question of religion and and play, and you know, he he brought up this idea of, of ritual as as play, and and in a way, I I, I I think ritual can be seen perhaps as a kind of game, a holy game, that. Uh, reinforces group identity, and so I guess that would—that's what I would say—is made the fourth thing that that games can kind of indirectly teach is group identity. Um, in in the mm. um, mm-hmm. you know in the Christian tradition, um, um, you know the 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 sacraments, um, in, in in no way trying to take away the holiness or sacredness of of I mean I, I love baptism I love communion, which we call the sacraments in the Christian tradition, you know. It, it, in a way, those can be perhaps seen as examples of holy sacred play, you know, or maybe even holy sacred games. In a way, in 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 all respect, I mean, that's a respectful term. But the this, you know, we are we are going through this this system, this um, these moments where we are saying, you know, this bread represents this this cup represents this much like we're kind of saying mm-hmm. you know pieces of a game represent something else and right and we, even if you're in, catholic and and it's not representation but it really is right right catholics have to admit it it it's not a perceivable right like it's still going to taste right. like bread and looks like bread smells like bread but underlying reality so even that is kind of a holy play in that they're saying well it really right, is christ's right, exactly. body we just can't perceive it Directly. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. So it seems to me like you know, like that might be a final category as well. That 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 games can indirectly teach um, group identity, reinforce mm-hmm. group identity, sure. especially when we're talking about um, uh, ritual as mm-hmm. games. Well, and and that idea of the magic circle, which I think we need to d- dedicate a whole episode to. But yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that, and so much of life is entering this magic circle where you go into this thing. And for a while, certain rules exist, and then you leave. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. I'm finding yeah. that haunting because even attending your child's soccer game, right? Like you're you're yeah. going out on the field as a parent uh, with an umbrella to to get in some shade to watch this thing, and then everyone just leaves. And and your eleven <laughs> right. year old probably won't remember that particular game, right? So you're yeah, you're doing yeah. this thing. And church, yeah, you enter this room and everyone agrees to sit and follow certain rules and then they leave. And and games are getting us to to think about how we enter certain realities and then we leave them. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the reality of a board game, like all of a sudden this is important and then we leave, or yeah. we're gonna in, we're gonna sit in this pew and this is important and then I'm gonna go to bed because I have to right like you've left the. You you have to leave the church at some point. Yeah, yeah. And Acts yeah. and there's a great bit in in the New Testament, Acts one, where uh, Jesus ascends, and I guess chapter one, and then the angels like, "Why are you looking at the sky, disciples? Get out of here!" Like it's like, 
they see Jesus leave and then it's like, get to work, right? Like you're, right, right. You, the point is not to just stay on the mountaintop, but anyway, mm, mm. Like, I like part that. of it's always leaving. We always have to be leaving, mm, right? Mm. The game has to if end. You, if you enter the magic circle at some point, you got to leave it too. Yes, yes. Part of the yeah, circle is you yeah. can't stay there because if you stay yeah. there, you're going to um, have vitamin D deficiency. <laughs> you don't want to sit in a room, right? Or you're going to starve to death. So eventually you have to leave the circle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we should talk about magic circle sometime. Yeah, I, I like just love that. that. I, I love the idea of, I love that. Yeah. And so much of life is, are these things that are sort of weirdly magic circles that matter and yet don't. Next well, week. Next chapter. week. Next episode. Yes. Next we're going to be going back to uh, the next installment of our book club. We're going to talk about the grasshopper book. We're going to be talking about chapter three. Chapter so three. if you'd like to be a part of that conversation next week, um, you can, or, sorry, two weeks from now, you can read chapter three of Grasshopper. As we always say, there's a little caveat. There's some adult images and themes in the Grasshopper. Uh, it's by Bernard Suits. Chapter three deals with the question, what is a game? And it offers an elegant definition for a game. I'm excited. So if you want to read I'm chapter excited. three for next week, that'd be great. Yeah. 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 I miss Ali. We had such a great first guest with Ali Karar. He was great. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. If, if you didn't get a chance to listen to that. Yeah, um, to encourage our listeners episode. to go back to the previous. Yeah. And if they want to continue to um, um, get involved with board game faith in, in other ways, what could they do, Kevin? How can they connect with us? I think Instagram is yeah. a very popular way to get in touch with us, but we've also got e electronic mail and that is info at boardgamefaith.com. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep, or yep. boardgamefaith at gmail.com. Yep. Or yep. boardgamefaith at clapontechnology.ma. <laughs> That's for Mars. We have a Martian email nice. server. And we are on Facebook some, correct? We are. We're on Facebook and we are on Twitter as well. Um, we also have a, um, a Patreon account if if you would like to um support uh board game faith if you kind of believe in the mission of board game faith that um board games are good for the soul if you will mm -hmm. um that we we'd love to have you be a part of of that that mission where that's at patreon.com slash board game faith i, I, I gotta get um, some clothes out of the dryer oh yes you know what's that in my so dryer What's it? What's in your a blanket? What's in your dryer? <laughs> <laughs> Clap on technology, which has now been destroyed because I washed it. But also a blanket and a board game faith T-shirt. Yes, we have a board game faith T-shirt. Uh, actually, we've got two board game faith T-shirts. Uh, one with our logo, and then one with a more simplified logo that says um, "Board games are good for the soul." If you would like to um, order. Uh, one, a t one of those t-shirts, uh, you can uh, email us, again, boardgamefaith at uh, gmail.com or info at boardgamefaith.com or watch our social media and there will be uh, a posting in social media sometime over the next um, few days about uh, how you can order one of those t-shirts as well. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Plus, you know, 
um, t-shirts don't care about whether you're metric or American or anything. They you don't, just, do they? Just they don't. It. Shoes do. Shoes care. They do. Because they come yeah. in different sizes. Yeah, the UK do. versus, yeah. there's another example. <laughs> they do. They do. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we just, we, but know that uh, those are ways you can connect and just know that um, we really appreciate your listening. We would love to hear from you. You might have some other thoughts on games that teach and um, please share. It would be great to hear from you and hear, yeah, hear we, your thoughts. Yes. We, we want to s- more city council members in the city of Daniel. <laughs> I don't want to just be a mayor. I want to be a mayor for the people. So join me. Anyway, great talking with you, my friend. It is always great talking with you. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. All right. Goodbye. Have a... All right. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Have a... What? Um, <laughs> I'll cut this part out. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs>